Well, Brad wakes up at some ungodly time to fly out to California for Patreon. What was it, like 3 a.m., 4 a.m.? What was it? Yeah, this was after the Halloween party uh, that went all night. And then I was up at 4 o'clock to catch uh, a 6 o'clock flight to Los Angeles. So, okay, I need everyone to know this. He's got a bad night's sleep behind him. He woke up <laughs> at, at, at the crack of dawn, before the crack of dawn, to get to the airport. Yeah. He has two layovers because Genius Von Genius booked with Spirit Airlines. <laughs> he lands in L.A. We hug. We have dinner. We're almost about to, like, crack open a bottle of wine to just relax for the night. And my 22-year-old niece goes, hey, I'm going to Upright Citizens Brigade uh, Improv tonight. And, we, and my wife goes, hey, you and Brad should go. And I go, <laughs> I go, that's a great idea. And she goes, it's a midnight show. And you can see Brad's face, the politeness of a Midwesterner. It's, it's like you... It's like you've just shoved an ear of corn into his ear, and he's, but he's trying to be polite about it. And, and so he's like, it's the slow licking of the lips, you know. I'm like, oh, Brad, let's go. We're going to have so much fun. And he's like, yes, yes, that yes, will be fun at midnight. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, already midnight is like 3 o'clock my time. <laughs> right. On a, and on a good day. So you've had no sleep. You woke up at yeah. 4 a.m. And then your buddy in L.A., you get there like, hey, we're going. Oh, by oh. the way, it's not it's not near my house. It's out in Hollywood. So Brad and I have to drive out there. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, I tested my friendship with Brad Geiger his first night oh, in Los Angeles. It was. It, but here's the deal. It, it was it, my first reaction was, you got to be kidding me. I, all I want to do is lie down. But the second reaction was, I've only got so much time here. It, it's kind of like when you go to Disney World. And it's like you're tired, you've been traveling, you've been out with the kids, and, and you know, you're sweaty and you're hot, but you still want to go out and do more because you've only got so much time at Disney World, right? right so you end right. up trying to cram as much stuff as possible. Just to tell you how, how, how really, truly perfect my wife is for me, our honeymoon was in Disney World, and literally... I had every day planned, and it involved us getting up at the crack of dawn and going into the park and just like 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 road warrior uh, uh, style doing Disney, coming back home uh, into our uh, uh, hotel uh, way after midnight, and then doing it again for five or six days straight. That was our honeymoon. <laughs> wow! And she's like, "Really, this is going to be our honeymoon?" I'm like, "Honey, we've only got so many so much time in Disney. We'll, we'll be married for the rest of our life." <laughs> And she says, you know what? It, 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 not if you keep saying stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love how some people on their honeymoon are like, I'm never leaving the hotel room. Brad Geiger, he's like, I got to get back on the teacups. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm never I'm never leaving Haunted Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many jokes that I could make with the oh, happiest man. place on earth. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, uh, and, and she, and, and surprisingly, we just celebrated 20 years, so. <laughs> hey, congratulations, yeah, my friend, yeah. that's wonderful. She must be perfect. That is wonderful, well, uh, that's right, well, you found you found your soulmate, and that is delightful. Yes. Um, on that happy note, hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics. And making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com. Let's try this again. Hold I on. For, well, well I, actually, just keep rolling because I, is, we're going to talk about this. I've got this blanket over my head. And 
I forgot that we were going to, I, 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 I had to run and go get the paper and I thought I was smooth, but <laughs> why, do you, why do you have a blanket over your head? Because, well, Matt was saying that basically Matt, our audio engineers uh, kind of politely pointed out that I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm the weak link in the audio chain here. So I've been, and, and part of it is because my studio has a really high ceiling and wood floors. This place is set up for an echo. Oh, so yeah. I, uh, I was reading and, and I want to build a little podcast booth, uh, using my old drawing desk since I don't use that as much anymore since I went digital. But in the meantime, I was looking at how professional broadcasters solve this problem. Like when NPR is doing a report from, uh, from a battle zone and they're reporting out of a uh, hotel room, what they do is they throw up, they, they, they've got the microphone in a box with a blanket stuffed in there. And I've, I've had that for a while. And then they throw a blanket over their head. And it's kind of like you're reporting from inside a fort. The blankets over you in the oh. box. And so when I, 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 so it's been working out really well. I feel I feel a little bit funny, but uh, but it, it, yeah, from what you're telling me, it sounds much better. Uh, yeah, but you when do it comes sound better the, this week. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got our intro printed out on a little eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And when you shift it over to hi, everybody, welcome to Comic Lab. I'm like, oh, no, I forgot all about this part. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go out from underneath my little uh, podcasting fort and <laughs> find the sheet of paper. So I'm ready. You can say hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab now. I can. I, I will be ready for you. I'm loving the image of you podcasting this this entire show with a blanket on your head, though. This is great. This is like I'm a going... Howard Hughes moment. You've got like all your jars. Of... You've got all your jars of urine next to you. You've got your toenail shavings. You've got your blanket over your head. Well, how's, yeah, the spru- everything... how's the spruce goose coming over there, Howard? <laughs> yeah, basically the only thing new is the blanket, but. Uh... <laughs> That's one thing I realized out in Los Angeles, making you laugh may be one of my great joys uh, because you've got such a genuine and honest laugh. And I and, and I'm not quite funny enough to do it uh, often, but when it happens, it's it's joyous. Oh, my God. Oh, every every three years when it happens, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, well, knock knock jokes just aren't as potent as they used to be, you know. Um, no, so I got to ask you, so with this blanket on your head, is, <laughs> yeah. is this like the warmest the back of your head has been in a while? <laughs> okay, so my bald spot has gotten a little bit bigger. I, you, you don't need to make a thing about it. <laughs> oh, I, my like, God. When we were doing that video, when we were doing the live uh, chat, the, the streaming video we did while we on our last night in Los Angeles for our yep. Patreon backers, I turned around to look at the uh, computer behind us, and I was watching that, and my bald spot has gotten huge. And I, I don't, we don't have a mirror like that in the in our house. We've got a front facing mirror, but I never look at the back of my head. I didn't realize it had gotten that bad. I'm almost a little embarrassed now. Well, remember from your visit how I said I was dieting and I'm trying to eat better. Yeah. Uh, the entire reason I'm dieting is because a professional photographer took a photo of me just at an event 
from behind. And I was like, good Lord, it's time to start eating better. It's funny how you can kind of cheat for the mirror. And you're like, I'm keeping it together. I'm yeah. doing okay. Yeah. And then somehow you see yourself from behind. And you're like, oh boy, time to lay off the, the ding dong. <laughs> this is not good. No, I, although I do have to say, I was I, I, te- I typed out this text and it sounded weird. So I, I deleted it. But just recently on Instagram, uh, you had some photos with you and Gloria and a bunch of other people uh, at an a- at, a- at an ACLU event, was it? Uh, yeah, just yeah, recently. Yeah. Yep. And you really look like you've lost weight. I mean, you particularly uh, in the face, uh, but but throughout, you you've been doing a really good job of this, and it's hard work. So I gotta congratulate you. Oh, thank you. you. I'm down. I'm down seventeen, and I so I only seventeen. You, you never say how much you've gone up, but 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 you're always happy to say how much you've gone down. But I'm yeah, down I've got, seventeen. I've got a brother that likes to go to the casinos, and he tells me about his winnings the same way. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the case. No one ever comes to a party and goes oh thanks i'm up 25 like no one ever yeah, does that you know yeah. um uh yeah no but i'm doing uh uh you, you remember it's a version of keto 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 keto, keto, yeah, keto yeah. yeah basically no sugars no carbs all meat and a lot of uh leafy greens and um uh it's working it's working so that's good i'm i'm feeling better uh, uh but thank you for the compliment and on, on no you look on, great on uh on that note uh, he's Brad. I'm Dave. This is the Comic Lab. Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. All right. <laughs> but don't so do that. Do... I'm ready now. Don't. Oh, I'm, you're I'm ready? sitting here with bated breath. Don't. Oh, don't I'm ruin sorry, it for Ka- me. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt your your tree fort that you had built through. Um, well, on this second note, hello everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about finding your bald spot and making comics. <laughs> <clears throat> and making a living from comics. Zing! I'm Brad. <laughs> I'm Brad Geiger. I'm the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Inc. Well, it's dark in here. It's fucking dark in here. It's hard to read. And I'm, I'm Dave Kellett, his well-cited friend and cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Stripped. And this week's of <laughs> this week's hour of comics advice is brought to you by patreon.com slash comic lab. Well, Bradley J, we've got a whole plethora of five dollar questions from backers, and I'm oddly excited oh, for this yeah. week because they're all good ones. Uh, do you want me to read the first one or do you want to read the first one? Well, actually, I want to start out with a little bit of news. Is that okay? Oh, sure, 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 sure. So here's the deal. Every like, I'm year- done. The abuse has gotten so bad. <laughs> here's the news. <laughs> Surviving creativity starts next week. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, uh, uh, here's some news. So uh, if you're like me, every November, you uh, start to work on a print-on-demand calendar project. Uh, I, I, I've never made huge money doing it, but I've always made just enough that I, I, I always wanted to try it one more year. Uh, of course, calendars are are not a great choice for doing a print project uh, it, it, to, to do it traditionally where you would buy a whole bunch of them because within a couple months, they have absolutely no value. Nobody buys a calendar past January. So, Print-on-demand was tailor-made for this, and Redbubble has absolutely gorgeous uh, print quality for color images. Fantastic. And they had very nice calendar sizes uh, that would let you do these really big images and just a gorgeous calendar. I was so happy with it. So uh, I was... 
I got back uh, this past weekend from doing some work around the house, and I'm like, oh, I've got a few hours. I'm going to get this calendar set up. I take a bunch of commissions that I do for Patreon and uh, just kind of repurpose them, crap them, and I, in a couple hours, I can have it all done. Right. So I've got all these freaking things cropped and ready to go, ready to upload. I go over to Redbubble, and I, I, I can't find the calendar uh, uh, category. It's it's nowhere. So I do a few searches, come to find out Redbubble has discontinued its calendar line because, and this is significant, they're just not there's not enough demand, there's not enough sales uh to justify the expense and the overhead. So they're like, we don't get enough orders for these calendars, and we decided to stop offering them. I, I wished I had read that before I'd spent the few hours in uh processing these things. But it's a question I want to ask to you, Dave, and that is have you ever ordered have you ever offered a calendar to your backers? And if so, is it time maybe that we stop too? Because although I made a few sales, it was never much more than pizza and beer money. I think it's absolutely time to to hang up the calendar. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> I uh, no, I do. I think it's a it's a it's a super diminishing return, and it's a the yeah. risk factor is very high with calendars. Obviously, you would never do a print run of calendars. That's stupidity no. uh, times ten. Um, for all the reasons that Brad uh, clarified, that once you get to almost December, they stop selling, and then once right. you reach the new year, boy, do they drop like a stone. Um, one of the funniest things on uh, like Amazon or any local uh, Target that you go to is to walk by the calendars <laughs> a couple times, like on January 15th. It's like 50% off January 30th, yeah. 70% off February 15th. <laughs> you can take this calendar, please. Just get just... it out of our stock. <laughs> carry just carry it out. You'll be doing us a favor. Take a Twinkie on your way out. Yeah. Did you buy a stick of gum here? Free calendar. Free calendar. Um, and it also it also uh, speaks to the fact that every real estate agent, every restaurant is offering free calendars. Like yeah. it's you know they're, it's they're a dime a dozen basically. Um, yeah. And so I don't know that the, to answer your thought, Brad. I don't know that they're worth it all. I I would not do no. it. I haven't done it in years. Um, and so I think it's a good thing for Brad that you're, you're hanging up that one. Um, well, and not only that, but this was a great opportunity cause I, I put the word out to my Patreon backers, uh, because I'm like, I know there's a few of them that always buy the calendar uh, they're, they're like, I know I'm going to see their name on the list. And uh, I wanted to give those people a heads up because, you know, those are the people that, <laughs> you know, that kind of backing, uh, you, you want to make sure you're treating those folks extra special. So I said, hey, just to give you guys a heads up, there's not going to be a 2019 Evil Inc. Uh, calendar. There's not going to be a pinup calendar. There's not going to be a according disaster calendar. None of that stuff. And, uh, and I, I explained why that was and so forth. And one of my Patreon backers said, that's okay. I, I just take your desktop, cal uh, your desktop wallpaper that you offer every month. And I print that out and put it next to my desk. And it's pretty much the same thing. And, uh, <laughs> I responded, if I would have known you were doing that, I would have just made an extra size at eight and a half by 11 high res and, set it up tailor-made for you. Oh, yeah, so yeah. that's exactly what I'm going to do now is now, since I'm not doing a calendar, I'm just going to have one more size to my uh, desktop wallpaper package that I offer at the top of every month for my Patreon backers, and they can just print it out themselves. and It'll be kind of the next best thing. 
Well, I, can can we transition? Because I actually had a thought that I wanted to ask you yeah. for a while now, which is uh, I see you posting about wallpapers on Patreon or screensavers or wallpapers, and you yeah. have it you have it with a billion formats. So how <laughs> how do you, Brad Geiger, produce all those wallpapers and screensavers so efficiently and quickly so that it's not dominating your time? It's actually not that hard. Uh, I came up with a list of uh, sizes, uh, like standard sizes for different monitors and so forth for my desktop background. And I also came up with a a list of aspect ratios for mobile devices like iPads and iPhones and Kindles and stuff like this. So once I had, and there's probably maybe a couple dozen of of different uh, Uh, aspect ratios that I've got, different sizes. And so I just have one master that's kind of at the biggest size. And I bring in one of my commission illustrations. Usually that those work really well. And I bring that in and I have like usually three or four layers, the commission, a little background that I base on the commissioned illustration. And I, the, the thing that's so easy to do is take that commission, make a duplicate of it, and use the halftone uh, dots. That's oh, a filter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it use like a huge number, like 32 for your dots. And it makes those dots really big. And then you can put that in the in, in behind and put it at like a 30% opacity. And then you know if your can I pause for a second? Go ahead. Go that's ahead. That's the that I, I don't know why they, I felt the need to interrupt with this, but that's the same trick that TV editors use, news editors. When they yeah. have like a submitted iPhone footage, but it doesn't fit a TV aspect ratio. So they yep. put the iPhone footage front and center at full opacity, and then they knock it back and blow it up at, at like a half opacity and run it behind it to fill the ratio for TV. I don't know why this, I had to bring that up. <laughs> no, it's a great point because, well, it, it anybody listening can say, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, Dave Kellett with a great point. Glad I chimed in. What a, what a helper. <laughs> So glad I'm here. You're killing it on color commentary today. Boy, did I (laughs) did I save the show as your hype man today? Good job, Dave. No, but I'll 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 do the one of those color half tones and put it in the background uh, at a decreased opacity, and then on another layer, I bring in a calendar. And there's actually an InDesign script that you can download called Calendar Wizard. And maybe okay. I'll, uh, if I get a chance, I'll link to it in the Patreon post for this show. Uh, calendar Wizard, you just, it basically, guess what, makes a calendar. And it just does it at the touch of a button. It's really cool. So I bring the calendar in, and I've got these all in different layers. That's my uh, master. And then I literally just open up all of the uh, different sizes, and I'll copy that over from last month. And I'll just plop those in reposition them as necessary, flatten it, save it, and go to the next one. And I can usually do all of those desktop backgrounds and uh, and mobile backgrounds in about, nah, 30 minutes tops. Because once you get kind of rolling on this stuff, you, you, you've got it made. Crank them out, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Is that list of common aspect ratios that you use, is that something that you could post on Patreon for our backers? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll just post uh, for our Patreon backers, I'll just post the Evil Inc. Uh, November calendar. I do a safe-for-work version and a not-safe-for-work version, and obviously I'll just post the safe-for-work version, and you can just you can uh, take it and crib it for yourself. 
Oh, well, that's that's great. All right. Well, good. Brad, thank you for answering yeah. that question. That's That was not a $5 question. That was a Dave Kellett question. So I thank you for answering that. But, and I'll expect my $5 in the mail. <laughs> Just an envelope shows up with like five. Anyway. Uh, all right. So let's move on to our first $5 question, Bradley J. And it is directed towards you, Bradley J. Geiger and, and Dave Kellett. What is the best way to approach an editor or an artist if you're looking for a physical portfolio review? assuming they're oh. not offering a paid service. So, Brad, it's a Comic-Con. You're, you're <laughs> 23, you're 43. I don't know why I'm putting an age in here. Age doesn't matter. You want to <laughs> approach You want to approach Jim Lee or you want to approach, I, I have no idea, Mark Silvestri, and you want to say, hey, can you do a portfolio review for me? How do you do it, Brad? Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I've never been in that situation. I, I've never participated in that. Uh, so I really don't have very good actionable information uh, on that. However, Dave, you and I have a friend. Uh, I, uh, we, we, we go way back with this guy, and he has written copious amounts of information on this and a bunch of related topics, and you know I'm talking about Jim Zubkovich. Oh, right? yeah, Zub, of course. <clears throat> yeah, so go over to Jim Zub, J-I-M, Z-U-B.com, and you'll see that he's written a whole list of stuff that you should have in your back pocket when you're doing a portfolio review. Uh, and, and you'll see uh, along the right-hand column of, a, of his blog, a little table of contents. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. In general, I think you want to have a lot of sequential arts. Uh, I don't think I think what happens, these people doing portfolio reviews see a lot of like pinups and action scenes, splash pages. And really what counts is if you're able to do sequential art. Right. And right. so you want to have that. You want to have sequentials. Uh, you want to emphasize your ability to do anatomy, perspective, and volume. Those three things are going to be really, really important. And last but not least, page design. Do you do the simple stuff like leaving enough room for word balloons? Do you do you center the action on the page so that there's there's you're not going right out to the side, stuff like that? In other words, do you know the basics of uh, comic book illustration? And that's what you want to do. And and also, I well, no, I before I before I drill too much further, what do you, what else would you suggest to somebody just knowing what you know? Well, this is interesting because I'm like you in that I have, and this maybe is a detriment to my own growth as an artist, I have never sought out the advice of a third party about, hey, how am I doing? Or, hey, can you do a review of my work? And that's yeah. true even when I was, you know, 20 and, and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed heading out into the world. Um, I always saw it as a, a, a comic strip cartoonist, at least. I saw it as my job to become my own editor, that if I didn't cultivate my own eye then no one was going to do it for me. Um, and I know that Ooh. sounds, I know that sounds brusque, but I think it's true. Um, uh, sometimes though, a portfolio review is helpful in terms of landing a job. I get that. But I think a lot of portfolio reviews, it's just like, Hey, am I doing okay? I just need some feedback. Am I? And, and that is helpful in an emotional sense. It's helpful in a career development sense, but it's not, um, it's not necessarily going to land you the the magic job that someone's going to go. I dub thee a cartoonist, and they <laughs> they take the sword, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. So I've never done it myself, but I I recognize that if you wanted to get a job drawing for Image or Marvel or DC or IDW or whoever you wanted to get a job with, 
um, that a portfolio review is a critical part of the process. But I unfortunately, I don't have much personal advice. So better than for me to rather than chiming in on it, I would direct people to Jim Zub as well. I think he has a good write up on it. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I, in general, I think you want to show that you know the basics of cartooning. If you really want to get detailed information, and, and by the way, not, not only about uh, stuff like portfolio reviews, but stuff like uh, working with a publisher, working with an editor, Jim Zub has written a lot of stuff about this that's really, really intelligent. So I would uh, really uh, encourage you to check out his blog and, and spend a little time uh, doing a deep dive there because... That guy knows what he's talking about. And you know what? I will I will um, point out a point of difference between Brad and I, which is Brad does a lot more comics education, both at webcomics.com and in person at the university there in, in Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. he, I know for a fact that Brad takes a different tact on this, which is he knows that teaching, that feedback, that direct critique, um, it can be helpful to an artist's journey. Whereas I am much more... Um, uh, uh, kill or be killed about it in the sense that um, I, I'll give you an example. I heard uh, Eva Longoria give a speech this weekend and she said one thing that her mom always used to tell her was, well, you better figure that out. And uh, it, it, <laughs> so she, you that's know, wonderful. She'd be like, mom, I'm hungry. And it's like mid afternoon. She'd be like, well, you better figure that out. And so uh, she said it would made it, it made it a really great uh, life lesson towards independence and saying like, I don't know how to get a master's degree. How do I go do that? And then she figured right. out how to go get a master's degree. I don't know how to be a director. How do I do that? And then she figured out how to be a director. <laughs> you better so, figure it out. I guess what I'm getting at here in, in the context of portfolio reviews is uh, you are not going to have a permanent portfolio review every week of how you're doing. So you got to figure it out. You have to yeah. read closely what comic artists are doing and figure out how to transcribe those techniques into your style, into your work. Um, and so uh, I know it sounds more mean and more cynical, but you got to figure that stuff out on your own. <laughs> well, I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, in general, I agree with what you're saying. But uh, it, we both benefited at different times from people who had a little bit more experience giving us a, a, a little advice or a little tip here and there. We've all uh, you've had. Oh, yeah, no, I, that I know. Happen. That's why I'm saying I, I, I recognize that your point uh, of teaching and instruction is valuable and good. And you have seen it personally. I'm saying my own attitude i'm I'm saying this that i'm a jerk about this in my own attitude is that uh <laughs> that i'm more like you, you got to get out there and do it yourself you got to figure it out it's, it's very much like uh because if, if you if you can't figure out like the basics of i mean that's not true um no, teaching is important. Teaching is valuable. I'm going to strike everything I said. <laughs> no, no, no. And and here's the other thing. No, you're you're being honest, and and that's a good thing. The other thing is that you're what you're not saying is that you also do not like being that in that position of telling somebody that they need to improve in a that's certain true. way. That's true. I guess that's informing a lot of my opinion. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, and me. Whereas you love telling people what to do with their life. I have no problem with that. <laughs> You're, you stink. No, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've got no problem being honest with stuff like that, uh, particularly like I, I'm doing a uh, Skype consultation tonight. Uh, with a with with a person, and basically he reached out and he said, "Would you be willing to do a consult?" And I said, "Yeah, I do those all the time. Here's how it works." Blah blah blah. And I looked at his stuff, and he had about nah a dozen comics in on uh, that he had uploaded. And he his whole thing was, "I don't have any Patreon backers, and I need to figure out how to make money." 
And I looked at his stuff, and it looks like he's maybe at the one or two year mark of doing comics. In other words, his stuff isn't very good. And I wrote him back. I said, I'd be thrilled to consult with you. But uh, the first thing we got to get clear is your comic is not good and you're not going to make any money until it gets better. And that's okay because you're just starting out. And all you got to do is go to Greystone Inn uh, and and look at my 2000 archives and my 2001 archives to find out that I've been there. Dave Kellett's been there. We've all been at the place where our work was not very good yet. And that's not a mark of shame. It's, it's just a mark of time. That's where you are at this time. And if you're willing to start from there, then I'll be willing to talk to you about all kinds of things. But the first thing that you've got to know is there's a reason your Patreon isn't doing well, and it's because you're not there yet. You're going to get there if you keep working real hard, but you're not there yet. And I, I don't have as much problem saying that as you do. <laughs> well, no, I, and I know that's the fact because when you were here visiting the other day, you put your hand on my shoulder and said it to me looking right into my eyes. And it hurt. I did. It hurt. I did. What? <laughs> um, I'm just going to say that publicly that it hurt. I can cry. Yeah, I, it hurt. <laughs> I it, Listen, it needed to be said, but, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, no, I would never say that to you. I, I, I couldn't possibly, even if I joked about it. You're like, I would never say that to you. An anonymous tweet? Sure, I would do that. I would I would create a sock puppet. Yeah, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll vague I'll vague tweet that shit all day long, but I never say it directly to your face. <laughs> I'll subtweet you as long as the day is bright, but I'm not gonna say it to your face, no. <laughs> all right, Brad, time to move on to question number two. So Bradley J. Geiger, David J. Kellett, how do you start contacting outlets with press releases? And are they a viable form of marketing in this age? And this is a great question for you because I learned everything I know about press releases from Brad Geiger. <laughs> and I'm not kidding about this. I uh, There was a time where I was very gung-ho on press releases and I learned it all from Brad. So Brad, yeah. go. <laughs> Here's the deal. This is a very weird subject because I've got a lot of very uh, thought out, very detailed thoughts on this. However, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that this is something that I think that everybody should have ready and that you should have waiting in your back pocket. And there is, I'm going to tell you exactly how and what uh, you should be doing. However, I put almost zero importance on the role of the quote-unquote comics press when it comes to promoting anything like a Kickstarter or an appearance or anything, I put zero effort into it because I really don't think the return on investment is very powerful. Do you you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, and and not only that, but like there are certain sites, and, and in fact, a lot of these sites I've stopped checking in on, Bleeding Cool and and Newsarama and all these because they are so attached to the advertising model that if you actually make a mistake and click on a link and go to one of those sites, oh, you're going to be attacked by aggressive advertising. Like Bleeding Cool, I still follow. I think it's great. I don't ever click a link. Uh, if he's talking about a subject, I'll find another way to find out about it because every time I go to Bleeding Cool, I get attacked by their ads. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. There's a couple of sites like that in, in my world yeah. where I know to like you take the headline and you search for it somewhere else on Google. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. You don't you don't t- click the link. And not only that, but you know that if if you do 
click the link. It's going to be one of these deals where they say, oh, here's 10 things about that. And then you're going to read one thing and you're going to have to click the next button. And then you read thing number two and then you click the next. And it's going to be like the worst reading experience that you've ever had. So I, I, and by the way, if I feel that way, it's pretty good bet there's a few other people that feel that way too. And they're not going to uh, be looking at that site. So here's the thing. I don't put a lot of uh, credence into the return on investment that you get from doing this. However, you'd think that I would say, so don't bother with a press kit. Just the opposite. You want to have a robust digital press kit ready to go just in case you need it. Because when you do need it, you want to have that ready and and waiting so that if somebody does want to do an interview with you or somebody wants to cover you, you have all of the pieces that they need to do it well uh, so that you can get a good return on investment. And so I'm going to tell you a few things that you want to have in your digital press kit, even though uh, like I said, I don't uh, <laughs> I, I don't approach these people. But if you do get approached, for example, way back when web comics were just starting out, we got approached when we were all part of Keen Spot. Do you remember this? The Detroit Free Press wanted to do a story about us. I don't remember this at all. Wow. Okay, keep going. <laughs> oh no, it was a, it was a big thing. I still got it somewhere. I, I can I can post a, a PDF of it. But I got extremely good play on that. And there's only one reason. It wasn't because I was popular or that my work was good. I knew exactly what that page designer needed to build a beautiful page. And so I gave him cutouts and I, I gave all kinds of stuff that he could use and play with to make a good page because I knew that that's what a newspaper page designer was going to need. And that's how I want you to think about this. Picture the best possible presentation of your work, either at a newspaper or a TV uh, show, a news TV or uh, a website, what would they use? What would that look like? What would they, what would it be used to give, make that a really cool presentation and then make all of that stuff ready? So you're going to want cutout images with transparent backgrounds of some of your characters, full body if possible, because they can always crop. But if you, if you've cropped something for them, they can't add it. You know what I'm saying? So you, you want full body uh, uh, images with transparent backgrounds of just some of the characters. You want some good sample strips right. or sample pages. Right. And all of this stuff. Oh, and I'm going to give you one more image. A good headshot of you. A good one, though. It's got to be a good one. Yeah, please. Not, not just... one necessarily that you took. <laughs> yeah, and not one where you're making a dumb face. You're trying to be edgy or ironic. A nice headshot. Listen, if you've got a shot of you sticking your tongue out, uh, it's, uh, Newsarama might use that, but the New York Times isn't. And the New York Times is what you, is the level of uh, exposure that you're hoping for, right? Right. So, and and I, can I can I chime in on that, Brad? Yeah, even yeah. Even if they even if they don't use the headshot, which I guarantee ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time they won't use your headshot in an article about comics. The what the headshot does is it gives the journalist a sense of the person behind the story. It personalizes it. So that when they're writing it up, they go, what does this woman look like? What does this guy look like? Oh, okay. Oh, I get a sense of who they are. Okay. And (laughs) journalists are human and they need that human connection to to help them write that story. So uh, it can be beneficial to you to have a good, clean, professional looking headshot. 
But don't, by, but on, on the same level, don't go out and spend money uh, because, uh, as Brad said, these, the, the likelihood that these press kits are going to land is small. But right. if there's a situation where someone's taking good photos, a wedding, uh, uh, you know, some gathering or, or a friend that has a good camera, like just take a half a second and get oh. four or five shots. And here's what, here's what happens to kind of uh, make yourself available to that. So here's what I mean. Uh, just this past couple months, uh, the kids who had their first day of school, and it was also my first day of teaching at this uh, university that I just started teaching at. So Carolyn says, hey, all you guys are all dressed up and everything. Go out in front of the house. It was early in the morning. Uh, the lighting was beautiful. And she goes, I want, it. I want pictures of the kids on their first day of school. So we go out, we take pictures of the kids sitting in front of the house. We got like a nice little stone wall back uh, background that's really kind of cool. And she says, oh, you've got a tie on. Get in there with the kids and, and we'll take your picture. She took my picture and it is literally the best picture of me that's ever existed. <laughs> I mean, this is, I've, I, you, you've seen it because I replaced everything that has my face with this picture. There was just something that it was the best angle for my face, the best lighting. My hair was right. Oh, it I was, know this. She, well, this is the one you're using on Twitter and, and the like, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You look sharp as a tack in that one. <laughs> yes. It's just a complete serendipity. So, uh, But that wouldn't happen unless I was in front of the camera a little bit more. You know, it, you don't have to be one of these people that take their selfies every 10 minutes. But every now and again, say yes to the picture because you never know when somebody's going to make a photograph of you that's really great and you got to be open to that so make a photograph a did you just say make a photograph oh oh what are you David, riding a velocipede David, down the walkway as the queen comes David, make a photograph david allen kellett i what is your middle name joseph but that's all right oh da- oh it's a j2 okay dave david joseph kellett uh i've spent uh 13 or 14 years with uh news photographers uh you don't take a photograph you make a photograph and that just got drilled into me so often that it's it's part of uh, how I speak about it now. You don't take a photograph. You make a photograph. Well, listen, as a cartoonist speaking to my fellow <laughs> artists, all the photographers of the world, you all sound dumb. Don't say make a photograph. Pick a different oh, word. Don't say make a photograph. Make a make photograph sounds like me. a Victorian like uh, going... <laughs> Also, Klondike 555, we're going to make a photograph here. Now I'm going to hold up this, uh, this, this, this lamp is going to burn quickly and it's going to produce a light and the light will shine in your face. I need you to hold this pose for 30 seconds as I produce this illumination to take, make your photograph. Anyway, um, <laughs> just 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 make it easy over there. I mean, I mean, take it easy over there. <laughs> <Zing>. um, <laughs> so listen, I want to get I want to get this in real quick before we uh, because I'm going to move on. But all these images I'm talking about, you want to make them. You want to build a little web uh, a, a web page that you can point somebody to that has all of this stuff yep. either loaded on it or linked from it, and you you're going to want to have an image package. And you're going to want to have both high res and low res for each image. The low res is for websites. The high res is for print. Okay. So the low res is going to be 72 DPI RGB uh, low res ready to go and probably a a JPEG or a PNG file. Mm -hmm. The high res is going to be 300 DPI and 
if you're smart, it's going to be already transferred to CMYK so that that person, that if it is a print situation, somebody isn't using some wacky transfer or they don't have to do any work. That The main thing is they don't have to do any work. It, right, you you right, got it right. ready for them to plug and play. So on your digital press kit page, you're going to have all these images in high-res and low-res format. And then you're going to have things like this, a detailed biography of you. Detailed, because they can always crop it down. But they want it, you want to give them as much as possible. And also sample stories. Now, here's where you really, here's where I get a little bit nuts, but I do like doing this. If I'm doing something like a Kickstarter, I'll write a news story about myself that uh, talks about the Kickstarter. And I'll have it ready to go. So if somebody wants to promote me or somebody want, gets in touch, they want to do something, I've already written the story. I don't have to worry about them writing the story and getting a bunch of stuff wrong. Right. I'll send them the story and I'll say, yeah, I've got a press release and you can use as much of it or as little of it as you want. Even if they don't use it, they've got something that they can base their writing on that's factual. Right, right, so right, right. I have a press release there. I've got a bio, sample comics, sample images, and important links to all of your relevant sites and projects. Links to your kicks. So they, they don't have to look anything up. It's all there. It's all easy pickings. Yeah. Yeah. So I do like the idea of having a digital press kit, which is a page on your website that you can point somebody to that they've got everything they need to do coverage of you. Having said that, I spend zero time <laughs> approaching comics uh, websites uh, and comics news because I, I don't think there's any return on investment on that. Yep. But I do want to be ready in case a big opportunity floats my way. I'm not trying to scramble and do this stuff real quick and, and, and try to do a you know, haphazard job. I want to have that stuff ready. And, and really, once you've done that, you, you update a couple new comics every now and again. You might update your, your headshot or your bio. But once you've done it once, it's ready to go. Yeah. Well, I okay, so I uh, agree with Brad. I think having it ready to go is, is, is fine. It's good. I, but I want to reemphasize to what Brad just said, which is I use mine once every three years. So priority-wise, yes. is it more important for you to be working on your comics or your press kit? Don't even hesitate. It's more important to work on your comics. Um, yes. and frankly, a press kit is like 20th on your list of things to work on, but I will say this, and, and I, I don't want to add a lot to the conversation, but I want to add one thing before we duck out of it, which is when you have a truly big project coming up, either it's a Kickstarter in six months, it's a, it's your first book in 12 months. It's something that you're a project you've been planning for months and months and months and months and months. What I want you to do is when you start reading from major journalism sources, and the reason I say major journalism sources is like Brad was saying, the, the average comic outlets will not gain you much traction to a wider audience. But the, the, right. the still traditional print outlets that now are transitioning to digital, they will get you new eyeballs. So when let's say I'm going to put this in the context of my own life. I've been working on Strip, the documentary, for three years, right? And in the, throughout the last year there, Every time I saw an article like in Vanity Fair or New York Times or Washington Post or the Dallas Tribune, or, you know, whatever the newspaper was, I would say mm -hmm. if there was an article about Spider-Man or about comics or about anything to do with comic strips, I would note who the journalist was that wrote that article. And I would write down their name and I would take five minutes on their website and find their contact information because yeah. 
it's it's like spotting nerds in the wild. You go, oh, I see you on, <laughs> I see you on Vanity Fair, but you love comics. I saw your Green Lantern yep. article. I know you write for Vanity Fair, and you have to write these hoity-toity articles, but you really like comics. So, uh, and those yeah. are the journalists that when time comes, you reach out to. Um, and that's when you send them your press kit, because those are the nerds on staff of major media publications. And that's how I landed in The New York Times with Stripped, is that I remembered uh, a guy named George Gustines, who um, uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his last name right. But anyway, he had written like three articles in com- over on comics, in addition to a bunch of other stuff. But it's the comics mm-hmm. one that I keyed in on. And so I sent yeah. it to him and uh, he followed up. He knew the importance of Bill Waterson and all that sort of stuff. And uh, it, I landed in the old great lady with a good, I think, a half column or whatever it was. Um, yeah. And so uh, take note of the journalists that write about comics. Keep them in like a, uh, some form of Rolodex that you've got, whatever. It's just a note, an email, whatever it is you keep, uh, and they will eventually come to use for you. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And and also don't discount some stuff like radio. I was listening to NPR this morning and they had a guy talking about uh, the passing of Stan Lee. And uh, it, that would be a good person to have uh, contact information for because he was like the pop culture editor. Uh, that would be good, uh, a good person to add to your list, you know, that, that that sort of thing. Yeah. And you can also reverse engineer it. Like for Stripped, I was paying attention, but you can also pick, yeah. a, pick an event like Stan Lee's passing and then see who got assigned to write it for a bunch of different journalism right. outlets. That's a that's a reverse engineering of that. Oh, that's a great idea. Because that's fantastic. Whoever in the bullpen was like, oh, I'd love to write that one. <laughs> that's the nerd. That's the journalist that you yeah. want to reach out to. So, um. Anyway, I think that puts it to bed, Brad. What do you think? The, uh, shall we move on to a different topic? Absolutely. So, Brad, to finish off the day, uh, yeah. I have something that I've wanted to talk to you about for uh, a couple of days now because I saw it, I think, uh, over the weekend, and it blew my mind, and I wanted to talk to you about it because I think this could generate a really good conversation. Uh-huh. So there is a cartoonist that I follow on Instagram, and as you know, Brad, I've made a push in the last year to sort of build up my Instagram followers, right? Yeah, you've done uh, great. Uh, well, the, for whatever reason, the growth for Sheldon on Instagram has been tremendous. As I said before, mm-hmm. Drive would not work at all on Instagram, but Sheldon works pretty good on Instagram. So I've been trying to build it up. And uh, I've been looking at who's doing it right, as you should always do when you're entering a new field or a new medium or a new thing, right? And there's one cartoonist that I follow that has 1.1 million followers on Instagram. <laughs> now, that's a million with an M. Uh, (laughs) As opposed to a million with a silent P. Yeah, the French million that has a... a, a, uh, Anyway, no, I I say that because I really want to emphasize 1.1 million followers on Instagram is a shit ton of followers on Instagram, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, so I was like, well, I got to go see his Patreon page. I got to see how many patrons he has. Brad, I want you to take a stab. 1.1 million followers on Instagram enjoying his comics, following him every day. By the way, he puts out one every day, so he's consistent. Brad, how many Patreon followers do you think that cartoonist has? Well, listen, if he only got like 10%, that would be still like, what, 100,000? Sure, but we know it's not going to be 10%, so let's be realistic. Then 1% is 10,000. The guys, I'm going to say the guy's got 10,000 Patreon followers, and 1%. Okay, so that's... I would not disagree with you that that's where they should be. They should be at around 1%, right? Even if it's a half a a percent, they're still doing great with 1.1 million followers. 
This cartoonist has 387 followers on Patreon. Patreon. 387,000 followers? No, 387. (laughs) Just the three numbers. It's a three-digit number, 387. 387. (laughs) Out of a million? Let me put it to you this way. What is he offering for Patreon rewards? (laughs) I can't say the word. What is he offering for Patreon rewards? Rusty nails? (laughs) Wow, zing. Um... (laughs) Uh, no, the number is small enough where those seven people are critical. Like at the 387, the seven are important because they yeah, like you, the number. You wouldn't would want be... to just round it down to 380. You'd be doing him a disservice. <laughs> right. But, okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. Oh. And I want to just throw it to you first to get your first reactions. What is oh. your reaction to someone with 1.1 million followers on Instagram? 1.1 million. I'll tell you. That is such a large number of people and and 387 back, backers. I'll tell you exactly what I think. It's why I hate Instagram, <laughs> for starters. And it's it, it underlines something that I've been saying for years about organic reach. And that is this. Here's what I, I've been trying on, on Instagram as well. I've been, I've been doing my futile attempts at uh, success on Instagram. And I've been doing hashtags and all that other stuff that we discussed on earlier shows. And here's something that I noticed that happens. I did a, I did a uh, update, and I forget why, I, I, but I had a hashtag of, of dentist or, or teeth or something. And uh, so I noticed that I got followed after that one went up. I got followed by a bunch of dentists, but they're not actually dentists. They're like dental offices or somebody who runs a dentist's social media. It's There's not a person behind that follow. There's an organization or a company. And I noticed that happens a lot with Instagram. If you put a hashtag on there that's related to somebody's occupation or somebody's uh, uh, pursuit, you get followed by a lot of uh, you get followed by a lot of Instagram accounts that aren't actually people. And that's not organic reach. And it's not usable to you at all because that dental office is never going to buy an evil ink book. And in fact, that dental office is never going to like or help the analytics or what's the right word there, going to help the algorithm of my of my next post. In fact, they're going to hurt my algorithm of the next post because even if it does get exposed to them, they're never going to interact with it and they're going to slow me down. Right. It's everything I hate about Instagram. And that is that every time I po- put something up that has a hashtag on it, a non-person follows me and I know that that's dragging my uh, my algorithm down. What? And, and by the way, that's what I think. Now, I am not a Instagram expert. You're doing a lot more than I am. Am I? Am I close when I say that? Am, am I on the right track? Uh, the truth is, I have found my growth on uh, Instagram, and I because I chart it. I have a physical chart on my wall because mm-hmm. uh, I like to see the growth curve. Uh, if that makes sense, I don't like to just know the number. I like to see. Am I speeding up? Am I slowing down on my growth curve? What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Anyway, so I, I physically chart it up on my on my pin board. And the growth rate has been exponential. And that's lovely. That's great. That's what all of us want is an exponential curve. How wonderful. But a part of me wonders how many bots or auto-generated follows I get based on certain things. So I don't disagree with you that that's a part of the equation. 
Um, right. And and maybe the longer you're on Instagram and the bigger you you are uh, have a following, the more uh, you attract the attention of smaller bots or different bots. Or uh, so that's possible. I I will agree with you on that. But my bigger problem is just that this seems to be a platform, or at least in this one case, is it possible that Instagram is a platform that generate can generate a lot of followers? but not a lot of intrinsic love for your work? Are you just one piece of a much larger free puzzle of entertainment that Instagram is providing to people? Yeah, I, I, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, and that's, that's where we talked about the importance a couple, uh, couple weeks back on, on this show. We talked about the importance of using social media to build community, not to build buzz, but to build community. And I, my own experience on Instagram, and I, and I don't think it's universal, uh, I haven't experienced an awful lot of community on Instagram, whereas on things like Twitter and even Facebook, uh, I, I the engagement that I do get ha, is a lot more community based than uh, than it is on Instagram. So I'm, I'm I'm just not a fan. And when I hear about somebody, if it's you know, if you've got these people out there that's got a million followers on Instagram and 300 Patreon backers, it it, it really makes me wonder what the value of building an Instagram following is because I can I can get 300 Patreon backers with zero Instagram out, output. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, uh, you and I are on the same page in that a Patreon backer is an immediate transfer of of readership value into income, right? Like there's no yeah. question about that. Patreon is amazing. I I'm still not I'm not giving up on Instagram, but boy has this made me reevaluate how how what i can expect that's a better way to say it what i can expect out of yeah. the instagram work that i'm doing and i uh, i do know this though that there are a few cartoonists that i'm familiar with who have translated their um followings at the at, in the hundred thousands levels somewhere between a hundred thousand and say six hundred thousand i know maybe three or four cartoonists who have both sold ads through their instagram and mm -hmm. so that's value that's direct value into their pocketbooks and then there's other ones who have gotten sponsorships or deals based on how big their following was. Or, or right. at the very least, it was a really helpful linchpin in making it possible uh, for them to get the deal. Uh, because, you know, the, the deal makers go, oh, wow, a 400,000 person following on, on Instagram. Well, yeah, this is a great deal. Let's sign you up. Um, so right. there's that. But I'm, I'm just saying that this 1.1 1 .1 to 387 people ratio is terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. There's no way to, I mean, and one way to say this is, well, maybe they're just not pushing the, the Patreon yet. And maybe when they start to push it and that's possible. And, and that's only to the fault of the cartoonists. But, um, I feel like with 1.1 million people, you gotta be able to generate, or you should be able to generate more than what's happening there. Well, listen, I, I talked to a guy that was, uh, that had a really robust Instagram following and he, he messaged me one day, he says, what am I doing wrong? Every time I mention Patreon in an Instagram post, I lose a couple hundred back uh, followers on Instagram. And I'm like, well, listen, my opinion is if that's what they're, they're doing you a favor. If they, if they can't yeah, they're stand to see their way out. Yeah, that's exactly right. Get rid of them. <laughs> you know, they're dragging your algorithm results down as badly as a bot does, because right. if they, if they're so, horrified by seeing you mention Patreon, then, uh, you know, that then they're never going to be somebody who's going to be part of your community. That's going to be part of any kind of a supportive network. Uh, 
you know, it's it's get rid of them. Thank them for leaving. Yeah. Well, and here I don't want to I don't want to beat a dead horse, but building on your point, one of the reasons why I think it may not be working for this person with one point one million followers is that um, there's no sense in in that personal relationship that if I don't help support it, it will go away. And if it goes away, I will be sad. And right. here's why they might not be sad, because there's 50 million other cartoonists also offering free stuff on Instagram, yeah. not even a click away. You just scroll up and there's more, you know. And <laughs> yeah. so maybe there's not a sense that if you love something, you need to support it because there's a billion things on there and they're all free and they're all incessant and they're all coming at you, you know, without any effort. So right. it's too frictionless in terms of uh, of when you ask for support, you know. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I I I get very stymied when I when I try to get my head around Instagram, and and mostly it's just because I I I think it's more my fault than anything else. But I I, I when I when I hear something like this, I really wonder if it's if it's worth uh, a, a a large amount of effort to right, build right. a following there. Well, I know we have a show coming up where we're going to talk about our 2019 goals and our and our larger three year and five year goals, but. Uh, I have a goal. I'm going to talk about it just for a second. I have a goal for 2019. Mm-hmm. I want to get to 100,000 Instagram followers uh, wow. for, in 2019. And part of it is I just want to do it. I want to see what I can make use of it with 100,000 followers. But mm-hmm. I have to tell you that this moment, this this thought of this uh, guy who can only get 387 Patreon backers out of 1.1 million uh, has really put a pause on my, it, it's dampened my enthusiasm for what I might be able to do with a hundred thousand. You know what I mean? <laughs> you think you got it bad. I'm trying to reach 1000 and I'm wondering if it's worth it. Well, the, there is honestly an exponential growth curve. And as you know, with an exponential curve, you, you, it's a slow start and then it very quickly starts to uptick, you know? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. part of that I think is a network effect of like, when you post a certain kind of comic, everybody who loves that theme will share it with their friends. And and once you have a thousand, you're just going to get more shares. And once you have three thousand, you're going to get three times the shares. And so it, there yeah. is a kind of a network effect that happens with more and more people. And that's where I definitely think Sheldon is going to is naturally going to do better than either Drive or Evil Link because they're both long form comics. They're story based, and and what's going to be shared on Instagram is much more likely to be. Uh, one idea concepts more more closely uh, in tune with like a greeting card or a T-shirt where it's like, boom, this is me. I'm going to share it. Right. And uh, just to reiterate again for everybody, uh, Sheldon, infinitely more shareable than Drive. Drive way higher income than Sheldon. I know that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Sheldon has a bigger audience. It has a bigger, more shareable uh, comics. It gets more viral more often. Drive mm-hmm. doesn't get any of that, but it has a much a more robust following and in terms of uh, interest and, and in Patreon, bigger financial numbers. So like uh, just a caveat on, on going after big numbers on Instagram. <laughs> I'm just going to put a button on this, a little code, uh, if you will. Uh, a person uh, emailed me just the other day and said, oh, take a look at this. It's somebody doing something new. It's They're doing a long form comic on Instagram. And I go, yeah, just like Evil Inc., <laughs> and he wrote back, ha ha, you're funny. Do, do people not realize that Evil Link is a long form comic? <laughs> I mean, and by the way, is it, is it, is it, 
really that new for somebody to be posting long form stuff on Instagram. You've been doing that with Drive for a long time. No, I've never put Drive on Instagram because I don't think it's going to work. I honestly don't think it would work. Oh, my goodness. I I think I would have 500 followers and that's it. And and it would be people that that are already reading it anyway. Um, I I don't. So, first of all, would you describe uh, Evil Inc. as long form or episodic long form? Oh, definitely episodic long form. So do, I, you haven't sent me the link, but when you send me the link of this long form comic on Instagram, is it truly long form? Is it like one 400 page story kind of a thing? But, well, no, because he can only do 10, 10 panels at a time like anybody else. Sure. But do those I, what I'm saying is do those 10 panels consist of a, a, a or do they make up part of a larger single story, not an episodic story? That's a good question. I, I did not look at it. I didn't read that much of it because it didn't appeal to me. Right. But regardless, I still would hold that both long form and episodic long form will have a hard time making a go of it on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Mainly because Instagram is all about a manageable chunk. I'm going to give you this one little 10 frame thing. There you go. We're off. See you tomorrow. Bye. And that's why a lot of Gagaday comics do well on Instagram. But I've yet to see a long form story work well on Instagram, to be honest. I'd be really surprised because like you said, it's going to be an uphill climb. It, it is. Well, how does someone go back in your archives? What a pain in the ass to start at the beginning if Ugh. it's a 400-page comic and you've got to scroll down for years uh, to get to the first one. I mean, that's a pain in the ass. It is definitely not user-friendly. No. And, and to be fair, I don't think it was built for that. It wasn't built for that. And yeah, cartoonists have, have made a good use of it, but it's not built for an archive or an easily navigable uh, uh, read through 100 comics, you know. No, although I will say one thing that is a little bit better suited, and that's using the tagging system on Patreon, where you can go back and get all kinds of Comic Lab episodes and topics at a click of the button. Oh, tell me more, kind sir. Well, yeah, well, listen, we've been tagged. I've been meaning to bring this up for a while, but, you know, every episode that goes up, we tag them with a bunch of topics of, of the stuff that we talked about. And there's a show guide for every episode. So if you're looking for information, for example, on print publishing, you can use one of those tags uh, that we've got there for print publishing. It's going to bring up every show that we discussed that topic. And you're going to be able to go right to the minute mark of when we discuss the topic. So you can kind of do your own little deep dive of uh, as one topic just using Patreon. Well, I want to say Brad's Midwest kindness has come out here because he said, well, we've been putting tags on this and we've been working hard to do all this. And I'm going to be honest about this in true friendship. Dave didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> but Dave pulls his weight in many other ways. It's a it's a partnership. I get, I'm dieting, Brad. I get it. Do. I'm pulling my weight. I'm dieting. All right. I'm trying to lose the weight. Uh, but no, I want it. I want the credit to go where, where it's due that Brad's put a lot lot of effort into tagging all this and it's a it's a cool uh, feature for our patreon backers so go check out topic specific tags and dive deep like brad said absolutely and on that happy note you've been listening to comic lab the show about making comics and making a living from comics your hosts have been brad geiger currently under a blanket and the editor of (laughs) webcomics.com and the cartoonist of evil inc at evil hyphen comic.com and Dave Kellett, co-director of Stripped and cartoonist of Sheldon at SheldonComics.com and Drive at DriveComic.com. 
And the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions at www.woodsong.media. Comic Lab is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab, so we'll go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash comic lab. I'm enjoying the idea that you'll spend the rest of the day under the blanket.